Hey, Border Fuel listeners. Before we start the show, I wanted to tell you why we chose to host Border Fuel Podcast on Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Two, there's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Lastly, download the Anchor app for free or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Thanks for listening to the Border Fuel Podcast. Now, let's start the show. Chiefs Kingdom, it's Raider Week. You're back again for another edition of the Chiefs Take Podcast. Cody, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good. Can't say it's another Wednesday with a W because, well, that's just because we didn't play last week. But Bye week. Restore the rivalry, baby. Restore the rivalry. You know, I've been watching some of the old highlights of the Chiefs and Raiders back in 1960s, and I came across, across a great quote from Chiefs legend Len Dawson. He said – the games versus the Oakland Raiders were not games. Games are fun. These were wars. Cody, <laughs> this week, the Chiefs are going to war. They are flying into Las Vegas, Nevada. They're going into the Death Star, and they are going in there with – what kind of intentions are they going in there with? Bad intentions. Bad, bad intentions. Bad day to be a Raider. It's going to be a bad See, day to be a Raider. It's hard for me to agree with you that this is going to be a war, mainly because I see this as kind of being a nuclear attack. It is going to be a nuclear attack on the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, let's get into why it's going to be a nuclear attack on them. They came into our house, into our hollowed grounds of Arrowhead Stadium, and beat us. (laughs) And you know what? We tipped our cap to them. Better football team that day. Can't win them all. You but, do got to tip a cap to them. We, we talked about this. They, they did play a good football game. But I think probably at this point in the season, this is exactly what the Chiefs needed. Another game where they could circle it on the schedule, line it up, and let the dogs eat. Let the dogs off the chain. You know, and sitting here and looking it back on that game – Derek Carr played probably the best game of his career where Patrick Mahomes played an average football game by his standards. The funny thing is this is one of the best games of Derek Carr's career, and he threw for 347 yards, and it was a very average day for Mahomes, and he threw for 340. Um, average always gets overcome by greatness, and I think we're going to say that. But they came into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs, And then Derek Carr and John Gruden probably thought it would be fun to go take a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium so they could remember the day they beat the Chiefs in week five for the rest of their lives. (laughs) Cody, we saw a different – go ahead. But I was going to say, we saw a different demeanor from Andy Reid this week and also the entire Chiefs team in those press conferences. I mean, yeah, I think obviously the victory lap probably pissed off the Chiefs a little bit, right? Like, you're going to take a victory lap in week five in the middle of COVID season. You know, when you beat us at home and we're at 20% capacity when a game that probably isn't going to have any statistical significance on whether or not the Chiefs make the playoffs or not. So 
yeah, I'm, I'm sure Andy Reid was a little bit pissed off, but I'm sure more than anything, I'm sure the entire team's just pissed off that, you know, they allowed that to happen. The, For the arrogant... last nine, nine games we played, the Chiefs have won eight of them. So it really hasn't been what everybody calls it a rivalry, at least for the last couple of years. So I think them winning probably restores it a little bit, and that's kind of where you're seeing the edge from. Cody, the Chiefs are 17-1 and one in their last 18 regular season football games. It's so... way worse than I thought. Cody. It is way worse than I thought. What's that? What's way worse? That record. That's terrible. That's not yeah. a rivalry. Well, I was talking about the Chiefs' overall record in, over the last few games. We haven't – I can't – I oh, think the last man. time we lost the Raiders was probably 2017. They gave us that loss on a – it was a big shenanigan at the end of the game. Ever There was a million flags thrown. That was a big shenanigan. That was the first time Derek <laughs> Carr's ever won at Arrowhead Stadium. He's been in the NFL since 2014. So, good. Yeah. Good. The arrogance it's of the over, Raiders. Over his last three games, just to put it into perspective, so Derek Carr threw for 347 in the beginning of October. The next week, he did throw for 284 and two touchdowns. But since then, he hasn't thrown for over 200 passing yards, and he's only thrown for three touchdowns in his last three games. Now, you do have to give him credit. He's only thrown two interceptions on the season. But over his last three games – last three games against what I would say mediocre defenses, that being the Broncos, the Browns, and the Chargers, you know, that's, that's, that's not very impressive. So for no. me, and we were talking about this earlier, I think this is a perfect week for the Chiefs to kind of bounce back and kind of do what they did last year to start getting their mojo late in the season as they prepare for the playoffs. Now, we say bouncing back. It's funny because the Raiders are 6-3, and three, and they're probably going to end up in the playoffs at some point. But as we've seen since that Raiders loss, the Chiefs have become so much more of a complete team in yep. all real facets of the football game. And an area that we've seen them grow immensely in is the running of the football and more or less not just running their same generic zone plays. They ran every, every play versus the Raiders. We're starting to see them attack the outside. I think the Raiders have a problem containing the edge on the outside plays. I don't think their linebackers flow very well the outside, so I'd expect to see Clyde and Le'Veon get some outside looks early on. But we saw a little bit of that from them in game one. Now, something that does concern me a little bit is the fact that the COVID could be messing up our tackle situation. There hasn't been a lot of word on that. That's a little bit concerning to me because Mike Rimmers is already kind of hurt, and Yasir Durant is just a very young, raw prospect right now. And he filled in for a little bit when Rimmers was out against the Panthers. It worries me just a little bit. But then I remember, I'm sitting here, I'm a little worried about our tackle situation because, you know, the Raiders have Max Crosby. He's a good pass rusher. But then I just sat there and I thought, okay, 15's good, 10's good, 87's good, 25's good. Oh, yeah, and Sammy Watkins is coming back. So then in my head I decided everything was going to be okay. 26 is good. 26 is good. 17 is good. 17 has been getting better and better every week. He has, and that's actually been surprising because if you remember our conversation from two weeks ago, I was starting to be a little concerned about, you know, how does Nicole fit into this offense? Does he even fit into this offense? So he's had a pretty big last two games, and that's probably due to a large part of Sammy Watkins being out. But to go back to the COVID situation, Caleb, did you see the news published about an hour ago with the no, Raiders? 
Oh yeah. The that Raiders answers. are likely to have yeah, they're likely to have several starters out because of COVID nineteen. Big names that I remember. Um, Jonathan Abram, he's probably one of their best secondary players. Uh, Arden Key, he's one of their defensive tackles. Malik Collins, he's one of their defensive tackles. Oh man. Um, I really I think, wanted Jonathan Abrams to play. I wanted to see him uh, run his mouth early on and then watch all 87 catch balls the Balls go right over his head. Jumping up at high point and balls and coming down and talking <laughs> his talk. Yeah, dude. But, yeah, you're right, though. I saw that. The Raiders are in deep trouble right now. Yeah, that's if they don't play. Now, they could come back and it would be fine. Either way, I don't think it changes the outcome of this game. I think this is a game kind of, you know, like I said, that the Chiefs now have marked on their schedule for good reasons of taking a victory lap in, you know, week five. Um, I still I still think our offense, we see an explosion of the Chiefs offense this week. You know, I think something people forget. Last time the Chiefs played the Raiders, the offense still scored 32 points, and they had yep. two touchdowns taken off the board. So they could have legitimately scored anywhere from – they could have scored 50 points on the Raiders last time. Um, the third play of the game, Patrick Mahomes throws the best ball I've ever seen in my entire life, and they call a weak holding call on a, a weak holding call, like the weakest weak. holding call I've Very ever seen in my life. <laughs> me being a former offensive lineman, I still love watching offensive line play. I was dog cussing the TV, and Peyton was there. Our buddy Peyton was there watching the game with me, and he was fucking cracking up. Because he said, Caleb, you literally will not get mad about anything the whole game, but then the second someone gets called for holding, you just lose your mind. I said, that's how I've always kind of been, though. But You know, Caleb, that is a good point. Because also around that time, we were talking about our concerns that the Chiefs offense looks kind of boring and looks very, very plain. So now uh, I'm so curious to see what Andy Reid does this next week. I'm sure we're going to see, you know, every week we see probably three to five plays that we've never seen before. I bet this week we probably see somewhere in the ballpark of eight to ten you know plays, formations, motions that, that Andy Reid hasn't shown yet. And you know what? We haven't brought up yet. This is Andy Reid coming off of a bye week angry. That is true. Cody, Caleb, you, I, his record is something like 18 and three, I believe off of bye yeah. weeks, including postseason yeah. play. And, you know, we've seen the chiefs have a bye week the last two postseasons, and they come out and they, they dispatched the Colts in 2018 and they <laughs> dispatched the Texans in last year. And they have a bye week before the Super Bowl, And we all know how that turned out. Right. Yeah. I yeah, think you're right. So like, yeah, we're going to see some trick plays. I think we're going to see some action. Do you remember back in 2016 when the Chiefs got into a little bit of like a feud with the Broncos? Because, you know, Peyton had just retired and the Broncos were on the downswing, but they had their guys like Akeem Tlaib and some of those guys were still running their mouth. You remember who scored a touchdown? Do you remember the, who the Chiefs ran the score up with in that game, who they used to score a touchdown with late? Travis Kelsey? No, no, no. Don Terry Poe threw a touchdown pass that game. Oh yeah, the fullback pop pass. I'll save this. Yeah, for I do my, remember that. I'll save this for my Chiefs take at the end of the episode. But I think we might get a stone cold celebration in the end zone this week. <laughs> <laughs> that is a hot take. You know I the Chiefs. The Chiefs have really have been running quite a few trick plays and interesting fun plays this year. We saw the. We were there live for the motion 
Mahomes motion, the some of those shovel passes they've been running, the tackle touchdown. What am, what else am I missing? Am I thinking am I missing anything else? They've, I mean, they've had quite a few big reverse plays, but that's pretty common these days with Hardman and Hill. Yeah, a lot of exotic motions just with their speed guys. Um, but we've just seen it more and more, even since last year in the Super Bowl with Eric Fisher. You know, so we're uh, – we're starting to see it from Andy Reid. I don't know, maybe – like I said, we, we talked about it last week. I think sometimes he just gets bored and he just wants the offense to just maybe have a little bit of fun. Because, I mean, I realistically think the Chiefs, if they wanted to, if they game-planned every week for, like, these these circle games on the schedule that I always talk about, we could put up 40 points a week, no problem. They uh, – I think they could easily do that also. I think Andy Reid Reed... – you know, I think, honestly, that was a knock he had when he first came to Kansas City. People said, oh, he holds stuff back or he waits or we don't get it. And I think when you have a limited quarterback like Alex Smith, you have to kind of hold back on some of your tricks for when you need them. But now you got like Patrick – now you got like Patrick Mahomes, so he just said, throw it out the window. We're just going to – we'll run a trick play every game, and then in the Super Bowl we'll run probably ten of them. So, <laughs> yeah. You think – I do think this will be a big game for our defense, and I also think it'll be kind of a, a game to pay attention to is to see kind of where our defense is at going forward. Uh, we, You know, we've had our struggles the past couple weeks was where, you know, to early middle of the season, I thought our defense was playing at a high level. Now I can't say that. Uh, but if you look last year when we rolled the Raiders, I think the score was like 40 to 9. Um, that was the point in the season where the Chiefs defense started to turn around and it looked clear that, you know, we were ready for that Super Bowl run. So I think this week will be will be a big tell as to, you know, where we're at defensively. Because I do think the Raiders do do have a decent offense. They have a good running back in Brand or uh, Josh Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Um, they got some outside weapons. I think Hunter Renfro is a good slot receiver. Henry Ruggs is a rookie who had probably the best game to date of his against the Chiefs, um, you know, earlier this season. So For sure. It'll be a big tell this week to kind of see mentality-wise and where our defense is at. Yeah, I agree 100%. And one of the big things from last game is we did not pressure Derek Carr at all. They had a very good game plan for shutting down Frank Clark and Chris Jones, which was just mainly doubling Jones and leaving people in to chip Clark off the edge and didn't really get a ton of juice out of Tano passing. Yo, Trent Brown's a really good football player, but now – the Raiders have their tackles are both injured. Colton Miller might play, and he's probably only going to be playing. He's not even close to healthy. I think they just want to get him out there. I could really see Chris Jones and Frank Clark stepping up and saying, we got embarrassed last time. It's time to go let the dogs off the chain. And when you say the dogs off the chain, I'm thinking more of the defense than the offense a little bit because I know we're going to see those trick plays. I'm curious to see what kind of pressure Spags wants to dial up or if he wants, if or if he stays aggressive. Yeah, I, I think I think that'll be something to look for. And I also think I also expect, and and this might not even really be a take, just because he's such a good football player. But we saw Tyron Matthew kind of give up a couple deep balls um, two weeks ago against Carolina, like that fade ball that we talked about, a couple of slant routes and cover one that those might not have necessarily been his fault. But I think he's he's taken this week with a little bit of chip, just because of the media and the talks that. You know, he was getting burned, in quotation marks, burned two weeks ago. So I expect him to – him in the secondary to kind of have a big week. And, you know, Derek Carr's, like I said, only thrown two interceptions. One of them was against the Chiefs. So Mr. My, my thinking is that 
Right. My thinking is that the Chiefs secondary kind of tee off on him this week and hopefully force, you know, somewhere in the ballpark at two or three. I'm also very much looking forward. I think that they are going to try to get multiple turnovers. And really, it's just going to come down to the classic formula versus the Raiders. Turn over Derek Carr and you're going to win the game. You know, he's been a lot more efficient and better at that this year. But in the end, I think he's going to revert back to being average. And I think that Patrick Mahomes reverts back to being the best player on earth now. Like he's been the last two weeks. Let me ask you a question. Is John Gruden the most overrated football coach of all time? Oof. See, ah. He is. I don't know. He had a. He had a solid run with Tampa. I'm actually thoroughly impressed, I will say this, with what John Gruden has done with the Raiders organization, whether that's, you know, getting rid of Antonio Brown, which I don't know how any head coach would be able to hold on to him, uh, but kind of turning the Raiders around. If you remember at the beginning of the season, I don't think anybody was expecting the Raiders to be 6-3 and three at this point. And in the other podcast I, I did, I said that the Raiders – and the other podcast I did, I said I thought the Raiders would probably finish second in the AFC West. So I've kind of been watching them build from afar. It's been interesting to see. But I liked John Abrams when he was coming out of college, and they went and drafted him. And I said, oh, this is what John Gruden wants this to be now. Huh? <laughs> and Henry Ruggs is just – he's electric. To me, Caleb, I think Jonathan Abram, in, on any football field he steps on, might be the most annoying player to play against. He is constantly, even if he gives up deep balls or he gets beaten coverage, it, fuck, even if he gets ran over, he's always talking shit. I hate the way his fucking sleeves are. They're they're disgusting, but I will give it to him. He is a hell of a football player, and he's having a hell of a season. That's the kind of um, rival that Patrick Mahomes needs to go down in history with. But <laughs> when you run your mouth a little too much – you start to kind of build up expectations for yourself. And I think that that's a knock that Teron Matthew has because he's a very vocal player. So I think some teams like to go out and attack him. But we've seen Jonathan Abrams kind of have a few up and down games. Tyron Matthew could have a down game, but he always bounces back in the end. Yeah. Because he's – this is a good game for him to do that. Especially because I know they've been sitting in that room all week watching – Derek Carr of all all people torch them. Yeah. Now, Caleb, we we do talk about it just about every week on this show, and we talked about it a little bit before the show. But what do you see Willie Gay's role being this week? We were talking about this before the show, Cody. I don't know. I have no idea. Last week, <laughs> Willie Gay makes two really great football plays in the first quarter. Two good football plays. He runs mm-hmm. in, makes the TFL, bad call on Chris Jones. They said hands to the face. He was pushing the guy's shoulder pads, terrible call. Um, then you go back and you look at, uh, you know, then he goes down and makes a great play. He sees the little slip pass out of the backfield, and he goes and blows up another penalty gets called. But I don't know. I, I have no clue what's going on with Willie Gay right now because athletically and talented, he looks like he's making plays. But for some reason, we're still not seeing him out there. So, I, I don't know. It's baffling. What do, you, what do you make of all this? I guess first let me ask you this. What do you think Willie Gay's specialty is? Because for me, I think he's probably the best in the pass game or out in space on, you know, outside zone running down sweeps. 
um, sniffing out halfback screens, plays in the flat, that kind of thing. I think he's his his best football is played whenever he's sprinting somewhere full speed. The, I agree with that. I think his best, yeah, where he's best in my opinion is those flat routes when he has to go chase a running back or something like that because it's a very simple assignment for him. They say, "All right, Willie, you see it? You see the running back? <laughs> go get him." And he says, "Okay, I can do that, coach. I can do that." I coach would agree, and I think so. We we've, we've talked that. Maybe, you know, is it is it the scheme? Is he just not understanding football? Because he didn't play a lot at Mississippi State, right? So maybe he's just not understanding um, the schematics, the flow of the game. There, there's something about the game that he's missing. I don't know if it's moving too fast or whatever, but there's got to be a situation on the field. And if you agree with me, it's probably got to be third down, right? Yeah, probably for sure. Probably third and long plays that – you know, we can put him on the field instead of Damian Wilson or Hitchens or any linebacker that we have on the field that we can put him to where he could excel, but we just don't. And so what is his role this week? I think I'm in the same boat that you are. Isn't I, I don't know. It makes no sense to me why we can't find a specific situation in the game to get him in. And let's say we're both wrong because it's very possible we could be both wrong and that his strength, according to Spagnola and that staff, is he excels in the run game. Well, then see, why but, isn't he on the field but in big personnel the, situations? Anthony Hitchens is actually a really good linebacker when you could put him between the A gap and the C gap. Between the tackles, That's yeah. That's exactly where he thrives at. That's where Damian Wilson plays his best football at also. So I would, I would assume Willie Gay would be out here all the time because, you know – like we said last week against the Panthers, that's a bad matchup for us across the board because our linebackers, not very good. Christian McCaffrey, very, very good. And very, the very good. The Panthers are very good at checking the ball down and getting quick quick little gains like that, and the Chiefs are designed to just not give up big plays. Right. But why is Willie Gay only in on these down? I don't know. This is the same thing. Like I said, we've been sitting here theorizing on it for months now, and no one has a clue. But there's one thing to him just in, in a little important tidbit. He's still very young. He's only 22 years old. Well, he's very young and he's very athletic. But the problem, and I talked to you about this earlier, is I'm not sure that Spags knows what to do with them. So you think there's no consistency on where's he, where he plays. I'm not can, sure that Spags even knows where, he, where his strength is. And that's you know, what's concerning to me is, is him as a chief going forward is, you know, what do you do with him? Because there's no consistency in his play is when he's on the field. And we've seen this since the start of training camp. I know people were coming out asking Spags in press conferences. They were asking him if Willie Gay is going to be playing Will. And he said, no, we're going to play him at some Sam and then some Mike and also Will. So he hasn't really had a set thing. Yeah. I trust what Spags is doing. I think they're just playing. I think they're just playing around trying to figure out where he's best at for the long term because right now the Chiefs are also I mean Anthony Hitchens isn't going to be back and I don't I bet you Damian Wilson isn't back also they're going to be shopping around for another linebacker here in the future and you know if they do it via the draft or they do it via another free agent pickup they're going to have to find someone that can do something that Willie Gay will be able to compliment and I think that's why he's such a great athlete and why that's such a great thing Cody, if they need Willie Gay to play in the flats, I think he's going to be able to. And he's a big enough, strong enough, physical enough player to where if they need him to be their A-gap to C-gap player. Cody, 
I think they're prepping Willie Gay to play Mike linebacker next season and try to become our guy in the middle, like our guy, like the Chiefs version of a Ray. Like a Derek Johnson. Yes, the guy. The you know Derek Johnson, the guy, because you know we're not going to have Tyron Matthew around for all that much longer. I doubt the one. You don't think we sign him long term? We'll see. We'll see. I'm a little little on the fence about that. I know he loves playing. He loves playing for the Chiefs, and I know he loves Spagnola. But I could also see him wanting to go back and play for the Saints and play for New Orleans to end his career because that's where he's from. Yeah, that's a good point. I just I have faith yeah, in Willie Gay, but I think they want I think Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo have a vision for him to potentially be one of the elite middle linebackers in all of football. Yeah, it's hard not to have faith in him. I mean, you see the athleticism and the plays that he does make that that do are plays that jump off the screen, and those yeah. are the plays that that catch your eye. My concern is just the consistency and maybe that Spags doesn't trust him and in almost any area of the defense, and that's why he's jumping around so much. But I, I think it will be something to see, you know, going into next year. Does he become the guy? Does he just become the, you know, the three-down linebacker that the Chiefs have desperately missed since Derek Johnson's been gone? Yeah, dude, I agree 100%. But I don't think he's going to play much this week because there is no – the children are not getting – I don't expect to see the children in the game much this week in the, the kid, developmental guys. The kids will be left at home this week. The kids will be left at home this week. I expect to see a bloodbath. And Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football, probably the best player in football. And I think this would be a good time for us to do a little transition – because we are going to talk about some mid-season NFL awards since we are just over the halfway point. And starting off with the mid-season awards, I think we would be foolish. Anyone that says any other player is the leading MVP candidate over Patrick Mahomes right now, they are idiots. And I was listening to Seahawks fans talk recklessly about Mahomes (laughs) and talk about Russell Wilson. What's Russell Wilson done the last few weeks? He's turning the ball He's got over. Seven turnovers. He's got seven turnovers in the NFL in the last two weeks. Cody, that's not good. And you know how I many think... touchdown passes Mahomes has thrown in the last two weeks, Caleb? How many, Cody? Nine. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, he's the Chiefs started slow because they knew they could beat those teams screwing around, running the football, and just being generic. And now what happens when they start getting later in the season? The the keys yeah. are in the ignition. The Ferrari is ready to go. He's he's your leading MVP candidate, also, I assume. Yeah, I mean, if you don't, if you put anybody else in there, I'm I'm going to seriously ask you if you've been keeping up with football this season. You've been smoking crack, right? He's thrown 25 touchdowns, one interception. He has the best touchdown to turnover ratio in the history of the NFL. He's thrown for just right at 2,700 yards, so he's pacing over 4,000 yards passing. Right now, he's got a quarterback rating of 115. I There's not a player in football that I would say is playing at a higher level, especially and over the course of the season, but the last two or three weeks. How many turnovers does he have this year? He's got one turnover, Caleb. And who was it against? He threw an interception. Against, against those guys in black and silver. The black and silver boys from the desert. He uh, Caleb. It kind of seems that everything over the Chiefs season 
including their one loss, is just pointing to this week. Now, that may be because I'm excited that it's Raider week, but it just kind of seems no matter which way you turn the knob, it just always comes right back around. Yeah. you Does Patrick Mahomes throw interceptions twice versus teams? Because I can't no. really think of a team he's thrown two interceptions against in his career. I can't either. So, that being said, Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football. Who do you got as the yeah, offensive he's... player? Who do you got as the offensive player of the year? I mean, I'd say Mahomes, but they're not going to give the MVP the OPOY. Yeah, he's not going to get the MVP and the offensive player of the year. So for offensive player of the year, you know, it'll likely I be a non-quarterback. They'll that that's a receiver right. and running back award. Right. Um, I would put right now who I have leading. I'm going to go ahead and say. Oh, gosh, this is tough. I think D-Hop's up there, but I'm going to go ahead and say Alvin Kamara. Really? Right Why now do you th- for me would be the offensive player of the year. DeAndre Hopkins is my guy. No, and no, I'm sorry. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin, Dalvin Cook. Cook. Yeah, Dalvin Cook doesn't have a lot to work with up there in Minnesota. He's getting a lot of the water. I'm, a, I'm right. going DeAndre Hopkins just because he's a freak of nature. And that catch, nature. that catch he made last, last week was just – it was wild. Yeah, a really good play. Uh, the Car- yeah, the Cardinals are is, dangerous. They are dangerous. Now, I, I'm i still – I'm sold on Kyler Murray. I think he's a good quarterback. But what happens when he gets into the playoff and he plays consistently good teams? Right. That's my, that'll, that'll be the thing I think that needs to be watched with Kyler Murray is how, how consistent does he play when he plays consistently good teams? Right. And that's a question to be answered. Oh, yeah, for sure. But – Dalvin Cook is what I was saying. He's rushed for right at 1,000 yards. He's got 12 touchdowns. He's ran for over 100 yards in four games this year, and he's clipped 90 another two times. So that would be right now my offensive player of the year. Yeah, he's a good player. And I'm just going to go with DeAndre Hopkins because I like him a lot. I think he's a great football player. And I think that he's really – he's helping out Kyler a ton. He's helping out the Cardinals yeah. in general because he's – more or less unguardable right now. There was a guy for the Chiefs named Bashad Breeland. He did a pretty good job of guarding him in the playoffs last year because Bashad Breeland is criminally underrated. So that's the OPOY. Who do you got for defensive player of the year right now? My defensive player of the year. And this is hard because Aaron Donald should always be should always yeah. Aaron Donald gets the Mahomes treatment in this one and the LeBron treatment. He's just yeah, so much Aaron better Donald's than. Aaron always going to be in that conversation. Miles Garrett obviously is probably having the best season as a defensive. That's my guy because uh, he's got rusher, nine and a half. And I know that's your guy, but I'm going to go ahead and go with the safety this one. I'm going to I'm going to bring up Buddha Baker. This is a guy that's caught a lot of flack for being the highest paid safety in the NFL, but I think if you go pull up at least just look at the last four games, I don't know that there's a defensive player that's playing at a higher level. He's got. 58 solo tackles. He's got two interceptions, two sacks, a couple TFLs. So as far as for what he's done for that Arizona defense, now he's a big reason they're as good as they are. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to say Buda Baker, and I think he's kind of a dark horse. So I'd watch out for him, especially these next few weeks, where I think he might – he's going to put himself into that top five for sure, I think, but he might – it might shock you that he might win it this year. You know uh... – Buda Baker's playing really, really good, so I don't think it's shocking to anybody. 
I remember all those dumb people said, how can you pay a safety all that much? Cody, what do championship teams all have in common that we decided on a long time ago? They all have what? Good secondaries. Good secondaries. You know what helps with having good secondaries? Good safeties. Chiefs. Good safeties. <laughs> good safeties. Yeah, I got to go Miles Garrett, though. He's rushing the passer extremely well this season. We're seeing him come out of his shell, and he's really dominating like the Browns expected him to. He's playing good. He's got four forced fumbles, and – in that division, he's going against some really good football players, too, because he's – you know, I know Ronnie Stanley's out now for Baltimore. He's probably the best left tackle in the NFL when he was hurt, healthy. And he's also got to go against uh, Alejandro Villanueva for the Steelers. He's been probably a top-10 NFL tackle his entire career. He's at an incredibly high level. And, you know, he's just a guy. He goes in there and, you know, the offensive line and the quarterback have to be accounted where he's at on every play. They have to slide protect over to him, and it really opens up things for everyone else. I think he's playing just outstanding football right now, even though Aaron Donald is probably playing just as good from an interior defensive line position, which is wild. Which, But I'll give it to Garrett. I'll ed Garrett will edge it out. Now let's go to uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Who do you got for Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL? I hate to say it. And I hate to say it, but I'm going to give mine to Justin Herbert. I think, okay. you know, the the Chargers have had a couple losses. There was a stat came out that there's three teams in the NFL that have lost, uh, that have, I'm sorry, it's either won or lost a game within under seven points. And it's the Steelers, the 9-0 Steelers, the 8-1 Chiefs, and the 2-7 and Chargers. And I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Justin Herbert. Um, I think he's playing an, at an outstanding level. I don't have the stats pulled up. Um, but as far as rookies, I think it's either got to be him, Joe Burrow, or, you know, Clyde. And I think uh, Herbert's got more touchdowns than Joe, so I'm going to give it to Herbert on this one. You know, I picked Herbert also over Joe Burrow and Clyde. And, you know, Clyde might be about to go off in this game because the Chiefs – you know, <laughs> though, here's the thing from last time we played the Raiders – Clyde touched the ball 10 times and had 40 yards. He's still averaging four yards a carry against them. But I think this week we really challenged the Raiders linebackers. That's We'll talk about that a little bit more here in a second. We're getting ready to close the show out. But it's hard not to give it to Justin Herbert. He took the Chiefs to the edge in that game. The Chargers are just a bad football team, and he's elevating them to levels that I didn't think they were going to get to. And Ivers really – I was wrong about Justin Herbert. I didn't like his film that much out of Oregon. I didn't think he was going to be that great of a player. And it turns out he's a stud. A stud. He is a stud. And what kind and, of makes it such a great story is, is that I think, you know, you we kind of expected Joe Burrow to come in and at least dominate. be a sound football player. Right. Be a pretty good quarterback coming in, you know, throwing 60 touchdowns at LSU. But I don't think anybody really saw this, especially in his first year that, so right now he's got 2,300 yards, 19 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Those are good rookie numbers, and he's got – Those are really good rookie numbers. Um, I know the Raiders are in the hunt with us right now, though, but I think in the future Justin Herbert and the Chargers are going to be an incredibly great matchup for the Chiefs to have to go against, and I think the Chiefs and the Chargers are going to be having some close games in the future. 
Caleb, is it possible that this rivalry that you're saying that the best quarterbacks have, is it possible that Justin Herbert fills that role? Could we have? Well, I know everyone said, oh, it's Patrick and Lamar. Get Lamar out. He's okay. a fraud. We, we've been saying all that since <laughs> – We've been saying all that since week three last year. We've been saying it since 2018 when Lamar went in, Skip Bayless and all those clowns. on Lamar is outplayed Patrick Mahomes and all this. What's he doing the big games, Cody? They just got beat by the COVID. He does nothing. They just got beat by the Patriots. The Patriots are an average football team at best right now. I would, yeah, I would still say they're below average, but that's Caleb. That's a really. What does he do in big games? He does nothing. He does he nothing. Really does nothing. He doesn't do anything. Cody wasn't even a big game versus the Patriots, and he still played bad. He got Nick yeah, Boyle I killed. <laughs> I texted my group chat and I was like, "Well, what do you know? Another primetime game and another Lamar loss." Lamar so, chose. Yeah, he's just big game. His loser. style of football. You know, the, the mobile quarterback with the below-average arm in the NFL, it's just not going to work in the modern-day NFL. He's got to figure out how to sit in the pocket and be accurate. Now, I did I watch the game. I don't think have a he... couple of drop passes, but I don't think those drop passes are, are the difference. Cody, I don't think – that football I don't, game. I don't think he can learn how, and I think that it's – I don't think so either. The Ravens' own fault that he's in the situation they are now because they thought he would just be invincible running the ball for forever and – the Chiefs kind of went in and blew the door down on all that shenanigan, and then he got real hot, and then the Titans blew his doors down again just because they are they're committed to yeah. And it's what we said all the time about how to stop him. Is he really the MVP if you can play one certain type of defense and stop a person? No. He was fraudulent. But I would like somebody it. to show me the defense that has stopped Mahomes. Show it to me. Yeah. Show me one. It. Show me one that you can consistently slow him down for more than a game <laughs> at a time, and that brings us yeah. to the. I think that's a good transition point. And Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert might be meant to have a special rivalry, and I think that it's going to be like Patty, Kyler Murray. I guess Russell Wilson's kind of a weird limbo. He never really had a great quarterback to go toe to toe against, you know, in the yeah. division he was in, and in the NFC. Cam Newton's the only quarterback I could think of, and he was, hasn't really done anything like that since 2015. But Justin right. Herbert and Patrick Mahomes, we could see we could see a little Manning and Brady action going on here. I think so too. It's going to be interesting for sure. But Justin Herbert, offensive rookie of the year, who do you got for defensive rookie of the year? Defensive rookie of the year. I'm going with another defensive back, except I'm going to go with Jeremy Chin, um, a running back that was – or a running back, a safety that was taken in the second round by the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, this is a secondary that I talked about last week that made a lot of moves in the offseason mm-hmm. that was really, really struggling and in, in to know who their guys were going to be back there. Uh, I think, you know, Jeremy Chin's had a strong campaign. He's had 70 tackles. Uh, he's had two interceptions, a forced fumble and then a tackle for loss. So, rookie season, I think Jeremy Chen is probably my defensive player, the defensive rookie of the year. I'm going to go with Jeremy Chen also, but when LeJarius Sneed is healthy, I think it would be hard to not go on LeJarius Sneed because I, I think I think LeJarius Sneed – well, I'm going with Jeremy Chen. I like Jeremy Chen coming out of college. I was like, I was like, yep, this guy's a real big, rangy, athletic safety. He's probably going to be really good in the NFL. 
and yep. he's looking like he's gonna he's looking like he's gonna be a top safety for a long time as Carolina yep. continues to load up on draft picks and get better, which we said Matt Rule might have come Matt Rule might have figured something out down there because they're I think the future is bright for those guys. Um uh but when Legere Sneed was in the game for the Chiefs and he might be back this week. We don't know. Those are things that the Raiders don't make them uncomfortable. We Legere <laughs> Sneed is a physical cornerback and he can also run down people and his I think his range and open field speed is very underrated. Yeah, he's he what well, he ran a four three nine. Yeah, he's fast. Four three. Yeah, no, he's fast. Tackles really well in space. You know, it's always interesting that and Caleb, and this might be a theme that you look at because I know you do a lot of you know college scouting, definitely a lot more than I do, about tacklers coming from the FCS opposed to the bigger schools when talking about corners. You know, because I can't think of. What I'm getting at is that if you're a corner in the FCS likely to play in the NFL or get drafted, there's you have a good to be chance able to that tackle. you're going to be – there's a good chance you're going to be a better tackler than, say, a corner that plays in the SEC that, that would refuse to come down and tackle. And who likes tackling? Steve Spagnuolo likes defensive backs that can tackle. If it's not very clear from – having the guys like Daniel Swanson, Bashad Breeland, light people. Yeah, and the Chiefs like to play a lot of man-to-man. Jerry Sneed has all the physical traits to be a great man corner. And, we do have know, the two best tackling corners in the NFL in Breeland and Ward. Pro Football Focus did say that. Bashad Breeland is so criminally underrated. I was talking to he Seahawks is. fans on the Twitter machine, and they were saying no one can stop DK Metcalf. I said, yeah, bro. Oh, God. Said all that, they said all that about DeAndre Hopkins and for large portions of the Chiefs versus Texas game in the playoff last year, 21 had him in a vice. <laughs> but I go with Jerry Sneed for defensive rookie of the year when he's healthy. He was leading the league in interceptions for a few weeks there. But Jeremy three Chin three is, weeks. But you can't help the club if you're in the tub. And Jeremy Chin has been healthy. He's he's Very looks true. outstanding. Good Lord. It's Raider week. Oh, yeah, by the way, one more thing I want to ask you. Who's your Mr. Underrated on the Chiefs at the midseason? Who's a Chiefs player right now that deserves a lot more attention for their play? I think I both know who we're thinking of. Well, there's two guys that come to mind. One of them is Daniel Sorensen. I still think even though he's getting more credit now, um, I still don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. Um, he never got the credit the next he guy deserved that came for the to playoff mind was, run. That is true. Uh, the next guy that comes to mind is a guy that we talk about a lot, Tershawn Wharton. Turk Wharton and also a guy who gets no love from the national media oh, is another Derek guy. Nottie. Derek Nottie. Cody, Derek yeah. Nottie is grading out ridiculously high every game. He is maybe one of the most sound, technically sound football players. And Turk's a, the Chiefs are so smart. Brett Veach is a genius. They're getting He's guys that are they're getting guys that are undrafted free agents like Tershawn Wharton to be in the game and make a real impact. That value is ridiculous. You know who used to do, you know what team who won about six Super Bowls used to do just find guys from nowhere <laughs> and all of a sudden they're just stars? 
The Patriots. That's it. Where did Julian only, Edelman come from? Six, Rex Burkhead. Six Super Bowls. Wes Welker. Look at some of those guys on their defense. I guess, okay, the Patriots always point. draft very good defensive football players. I'm thinking I'm thinking guys like Chandler Jones. The Patriots do draft defense very well. But who do they put around Tom – who do they put around Tom Brady? Just guys, except for – Julian Edelman's. Just except guys. For, except, for, except for when they uh, had Randy Moss and then Gronk and then Aaron Hernandez before he killed those guys. <laughs> or after he killed those guys, depending on what you think about Aaron Hernandez when he was at Florida. You know, Caleb, we did just do another Patriot move that we haven't even talked about, DeAndre Baker. Oh, man, I was hoping we would get into this. Cody, this story around <laughs> what is going on with that is literally something out of a movie. Like, it's so crazy, it's hard to believe. I haven't kept on it too much. I know he got accused of, um, like, some armed, armed robbery charges with quick gun bar. He got four then... charges of armed robbery, Cody. That's stuff they send you to jail for. And they all got dropped? Because he was getting extorted for money. Really? And the Giants wow. didn't even want to – now, mind you, what kind of people is he running with that he's getting extorted for money and getting into these situations? That's number one. But like we said, come to the Chiefs, Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark, they'll get you right. They know the right path to go on. Andy Reid's a leader. Just yep. don't get on the cream hunt path. But uh, what do you think yeah. of him? Because I am just see people – I think it's a mixed bag. I see some people who are like, he's a former first-round draft pick. I'm like, they can develop. He's a young guy. He's 23. They're like, former first-round draft pick. You're like, he could be a great player for the Chiefs in the future. And I see some people like, I expect nothing out of him because he didn't play good on a bad football team on the Giants last year. Where, where, are, you, where are you at on this? So my take is probably somewhere in the middle of both of those. I don't think he comes in and changes our defense right away. Nor do I think are we looking at him, you know, three or four years down the line as like a Tyron Matthew. I don't think we'll ever look at him in that light. He was a four-year starter at Georgia. You're right, former first-round draft pick to the Giants. What was it, 2018? 2019? Yeah, it was 2018. Last year was his first right. season. Now, I do think that he's a guy that probably comes in and – Gets in on nickel packages. I see him probably having a bigger role than Armani Watts, but not quite as a big role as like Daniel Sorensen. Um, as if the Chiefs can develop him. Now you're talking about a defense that got Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill who's continuing to grow. So he's definitely going to see more development in the development with the Chiefs than he will the Giants. Right. Um, but I, I think it was a good sign. I think it was smart. Um, I think the Chiefs have a culture and a in, in a locker room that can handle a guy who, you know, if he's got some off the field issues, they can handle that. Um, you know, we've seen that with a lot of other players. It's just a, a tribute to Brett Beach. You want to know why I like this move? Why do you like this move? When Brett Beach goes to pick some up one up in midseason, it usually ends up pretty good for the Chiefs. Mike Pinnell, Terrell Suggs, Great Steven Wisniewski. Darrell Revis, even back in 2017, I didn't think he played all that bad. He was just an old man at that point in his career. Yeah. They go after guys that they want. They're not like a team – because I see everybody in the Chiefs' kingdom, every time there's a free agent, they're like, oh, we should go after these guys' sloppy seconds and all these guys. 
Chiefs really don't do that a whole lot unless they really, really want somebody. You know what I mean? That's right. Unless they – That's right. But, and what does Brett Beach do, Cody? Always gets his band. If he wants somebody, he's going to do it. So there's some sort of a plan. <laughs> Cody, I think they might have DeAndre Baker because Daniel Sorensen, you know, even though he's playing great football, he's a guy the Chiefs could probably live without at some point. And I don't know how much football he has left in the Chiefs because he could become a cap casualty here at some point. Yeah, could. And, I you think, know, we I do we think, though, that just Daniel – Daniel Sorensen and Andy Reid's relationship could keep him a chief for a long time under a cheap contract. Yeah. Um, again, that's going to depend on how Dan feels about it, but I could see it very, very possible that he, he takes a, a contract well below his value or at least his value with the chiefs to stick around. Yeah. And with DeAndre Baker, the point I was getting at that with, I think they're going to play him a little bit of safety and I think they're going to yeah. try to DeAndre. What does DeAndre Baker do? Well, he tackles. He tackles yep. well. That's what old Stag does. I don't think he'll make much of an impact this season because I think the Chiefs are comfortable right now. Even though Ward is struggling, I think they're comfortable with Fenton and Breland and that crew of guys. And, you know, Snead will be back healthy. So I don't really think that's a big deal. But, Cody? Yeah, I would I would agree with you. I don't see him – Real quick before we get off, I don't I don't see him as a corner. You know, I saw New York kind of experimented with him as a corner. Mm-hmm. He was more of a a safety his senior year at Georgia, and I think that's probably where he played his best football that kind of moved him into the first round. Now, this is if I remember correctly. Um, I see the Chiefs kind of doing the same thing. I think he'll be a big special teams impact. You know, being a four-year starter at Georgia, he's played a lot of football. He's seen a lot of formations. He, he's seen a lot. And so when you have a guy like that, the biggest thing that that, that kind of guy gains is trust. And so I think just that alone will gain Spags' trust and allow him to contribute early on special teams. And then you're probably right. Down the road, we might see more of an impact this year. Probably not so much. This is a move for the future, man, you know. For sure. It's not really costing the Chiefs a whole lot of anything either, so might as well. Right. But like we said – Leave the women and children at home this week because this isn't a game. This isn't a bunch of happy guys going out to go watch a close game versus the Chiefs versus the Carolina Panthers, some out-of-conference game, some kind of a warm-up game a little bit. This isn't this isn't like some big slapper-ass slappy contest versus the Jets. We're not going out here all happy and everything. This isn't the Denver Broncos. This isn't even – this isn't the Chargers. Cody. This is freaking Raider week. It's a nuclear dude. attack. It's a nuclear attack. This is going to be an assault of epic proportion. Now, Cody, <laughs> the name of this show is Chiefs Take. So for Raider week, what is your Chiefs Take? It's going to be a nuclear attack. Mahomes throws for five touchdown passes. How many yards? A nuclear assault in Las Vegas. I'm going to say he throws for 400, 405 to be exact. Cody, do you think there's a chance he could break the record for most passing yards in a football game this week? There's a chance, but I do not think the game will be high scoring enough for that to happen because I expect our defense to play rather well. Now, our defense has been very um, wish-washy this season for me to make a, a Chiefs take about our defense. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stick with Mahomes, starts for 400 yards and five touchdowns again. Do you think, Runs away uh, with the MVP race. 
at the end of next week, we're sitting here having a discussion that Mahomes has 30 touchdowns and one interception. Cody, this is going to be interesting, my chief stake, but I alluded to it earlier. Andy Reid's pissed off, and Andy Reid's a big guy, and Andy Reid likes letting big guys score touchdowns. <laughs> and, Cody, we say Jonathan Abrams can talk some shit. Chris yep. Jones can talk some fucking shit, dude. Yeah, I can. <laughs> Cody. Gets a little hand-waving. I think this week – Chris Jones' score comes in late in the game when the Chiefs are abusing them, and I think we get to see a big guy defensive lineman touchdown. And I think touchdown action. I don't know how he's going to score it, but Chris Jones is scoring an offensive touchdown this week, and I also think Chris Jones will record a sack, record a forced fumble, and score an offensive touchdown this week. Might be defense player of the week next week. That's a pretty hot take, Caleb. That might be the hottest take we've heard on here. It's very hot. It's very, very hot. <laughs> yeah. I think the other hottest take we had turned into that absolutely outstanding game that Mike Pinnell played. That yep. was wild. 11 tackles. Uh, that was incredible. There's a lot of younger no, Chiefs. Naughty. Cody. No, it was Pinnell. He had 11? Yeah. I remember we were talking about it. Cody, uh, we're getting ready to get out of here, but I think because the Chiefs were bad when we were growing up and the Raiders have always been bad, I think a lot of the younger <laughs> Chiefs fans our age don't understand how much this means, but you and I are diehards. We know the history. Yep. I know talking to older Chiefs fans how big the rivalry was in the 90s with Marty Schottenheimer. And, you know, John Gruden and the Raiders are very arrogant and very cocky right now. And they're kind of trying to backtrack some of the, well, the bus was in, uh, yeah. Cody. And I even see, like, these clowns on Twitter, like that dude Raider Cody. He's like, look at the Chiefs. They're mad about a bus ride. It's not the actual bus ride. It's the principle of what was going on there, right versus wrong. The Andy Reid way versus the John Gruden way. John Gruden, oh, I haven't had a winning record yet in the Raiders, and we've never beaten the – Derek Carr's never beaten the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Let's go celebrate like it's the Super Bowl. That's exactly what they did. They celebrated like they won the Super Bowl in the defending champion's house. And you know what's happened? While the Raiders celebrated their week five championship, there's been something slowly burning and turning. Something very ugly is going to happen Sunday night, Cody. A nuclear bomb. It's going to be a bomb show. Everyone that's <laughs> listening to this, thank you very much. This has been one of my favorite ones we've done yet. This is Raider Week. This has been the Chiefs Take Podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Live and Border Fuel Sports Media. Go give both of them a follow. Go follow both Cody and I on Twitter. Be on the lookout for a new edition. I'll post some clips tomorrow. Post some little film clips. Cody, this has been a good time, man. Been a lot of fun. Guys, it's Raider week. It's a war. We are ready to go. Go Chiefs.